Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall on Coming Up for Air. I'm sitting here with Kayla Solomon. Good morning, Kayla. How are you this morning? I'm good, Laurie. Good morning to you. And check in. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so why don't you introduce our topic today? I think you came up with a really good one. So today's topic is time, otherwise known as I don't have any. I don't have time to dot, 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 because If you're using craft, if you're trying to learn this model, then you know that we're very focused on you and self-care and where do you fit into this whole picture? So many people I know wind up not believing that they have time to do these things or not having this as a priority that you wind up not being able to do craft if you're not putting yourself in your schedule, if you're not making time to calm your system down, do self-care, look at yourself deal with your own process and really kind of find the things that you need to get through this time, which this time could be an acute crisis or it could be long-term chronic situational. You know, it's interesting that you said that you say this because it just kind of popped into my head. I say this repeatedly about craft that actually learning craft and implementing craft and kind of making craft a part of who you are. Yes how you communicate and how you interact with people is self-care. It is. It's self-care. It's taking care of yourself because you have to learn how to take care of yourself in extremely, in extreme conditions. Yes. In critical moments. Oh, so this is great, Lori. I love, I love this frame. Okay. So that's a great frame because we think, oh, this person's in crisis or there's all this refuse or, damage that I have to work on repairing in the meantime. So I'm either focused on trying to get that person help or focused on what they're doing or what they're not doing, or I'm focused on taking care of the business that they're not taking care of, whatever. Or like if you're a grandparent and you're working with the grandchildren or trying to figure out systems, that's a lot of focus on the other person. And so that is part of craft. But what I really just heard you say, and it's a great frame is what the craft model is about is focusing on yourself. And and it's interesting. You could take every single craft tool that we have. So we're going to go through them. So number one is doing the assessments, the functional analysis. What's the functional analysis role in self-care? Number one is you're slowing time down and you're giving yourself a chance to think and you're giving yourself a chance to process. And recognizing patterns, not only patterns in your loved one, but patterns of your own behavior and your own feelings and thoughts, your pattern. Self-awareness. 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 Okay. And as a therapist, I will tell you that the number one role of therapy and treatment is Mm self-awareness. Okay. And so here's the, here's the interesting deal here is self-awareness without action is useless. So people come in and they're like, 
I'm like this because of my childhood or my father did this or my mother did this. There are no sentences on the world that makes me crazier than people who are, it's even people who say like, oh, I did that because I'm an addict. It's like, whoa, 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 hold up. You could have the awareness of why you do certain things and what triggers you have and all of that. That's great. But then the next step that's essential is what are you going to do about it? Otherwise known as what are you going to do differently? How are you going to change your behavior? Which I find interesting because a lot of family members, I totally understand why. Families often look to the past. They look to the history and they're stuck in that guilt and shame and blame of the past, right? Which makes it very difficult to understand that, well, it kind of doesn't matter what happened in the past. You're here, you're in the situation right now. What are you going to do to change it? So instead of focusing on, well, I'm to blame and I feel guilty and this and that, it's okay. Okay, it is what it is. It, I guess it's kind of like, as Brene Brown would say, uh, radical acceptance. I'm accepting what where we are in this moment right now. And what am I going to do? How can I change my behavior so that I can move it into a more positive direction? It's the looking backwards that I, I that really, really, it, looking backwards, also looking into the future, which is why it's so important to stay in the present, right? Because it's the guilt and the shame and the blame of what did I do wrong? It helps to paralyze you to making change for the better. So as much as you can, those are moments of taking care of yourself. Oh, I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling like I'm at fault here. That's a time when, okay, I've got to start recognizing my feelings. I've got to kind of start bringing in alternative facts so that I can change and I can address what's going on here in this moment and not project into the future as well, which is another issue, right? A whole other issue of, well, if I do this, the outcome's going to be that. Or if I do this, I want the outcome to be that. And it's like, no. Stay in the moment. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I am going to take care of myself in this moment, which is going to indirectly impact my loved one. It's going to change their response to me. And I think that's a really important point is we feel like there's too much going on or there's too much crisis for us to be able to have time to take care of ourselves. And the irony is that it's the opposite. When there's that much going on, when you're that overwhelmed, the only thing that you can do is take care of yourself because that will allow you to be able to make more effective choices and be more appropriate in your behavior and your responses. Let me add this piece because there is a couple of things I think that goes on inside of the family member's mind that kind of throws a wrench in this thought process. When I talked about earlier and I said, self-care is what we're talking about is taking care of yourself in the moment of strife, of chaos. It's actually then that you should be taking care of yourself. And let me just kind of preface it with this. Oftentimes things would happen with my son and I would get into a group of, you know, some kind of a group, uh, support group or whatever. And people would always say to me, make sure and take care of yourself. And I used to think, <laughs> take care of myself. Like this doesn't make sense. Like going and having my nails done and getting my hair done. And how is that going to stop my son from yelling and calling me horrible names? How is that going to stop my son from going out and using? 
How is that going to change this awful horror? It's not going to help me. But now I have a different view of it. Going and doing those things, absolutely go and do it. Have your nails done. Have your hair done. Go on a shopping spree. Go for a walk and see the sunset. Go away for a weekend with your partner. Yes, those are self-care items, things that you can do, and they make you feel better. And everybody should be engaging in that. But self-care, what we're talking about here today is self-care in the moment. It's in those critical, chaotic crisis moments. That's when you should be engaging in self-care. And it isn't about necessarily having your nails done and your hair done. It's about doing things that you really don't want to do in that moment because you think you would be more effective doing something else, but it's actually about calming yourself down. It's not about these wonderful flowery things that you're going to do for yourself. It's about, oh my God, I need to step back and I need to take care of these incredibly intense, difficult feelings that I'm experiencing because I'm not taking care of myself. I'm letting these awful things overtake me. And that is the moment that is critical for us to be taking care of ourselves. And so here's what self-care looks like at those moments, because that's a really essential point. Number one is when we, we talk all the time about stepping back and pausing, your job is to breathe. And we don't talk about breathing enough. It's a huge, huge aspect of what we're talking about. Breathe. Breathing changes your system. It changes your thought process. It allows you to take time. It's kind of like the tool that they use for people who have anger. It's like step back and count to 10 before you speak. That's really breathing. Okay, anytime you step back, you're stepping back for the purpose of breathing and making space. And space is one of our biggest tools because space lets you think before you speak. Space lets you calm your system down so that you're not just flipping out. Space gives you time to respond. And space also gives you a chance to actually decide whether you want to respond or not. Because it might be that silence is the best response, or it could be that you're going to actively listen instead of speaking to the person. It, it could be that you're going to say, okay, great, I'll talk to you later. Because we're not saying step back and be cold. We're saying step back in a warm way. I hear you. I just need to take a little moment. I'll be back. I really want to talk to you. But you step back or I'm listening, whatever. What you want to do is step back so that you have your breathing, pause, calming your system down, and then making decisions about what you want to do from a different physiological place, because the activated place is a terrible place to speak from or make any choices. So yes, step back, but it's also important to do everything that Kayla has described. It's important to start recognizing your feelings. It's important to start identifying these awfulizing thoughts that you're having. It's important to start introducing different, uh, you know, alternative thoughts that are based in more realistic thinking, right? It's important to do all of those things because when I first started doing this, I would step away, but it would just be like, I wasn't actively calming myself down. I wasn't letting the feelings and emotions, or I was letting the feelings and emotions take me over. But then I was really confused because I didn't have a solution. But as I learned my craft skills and as I start, I was like, oh, I'm going to recognize my thoughts. I'm going to recognize my feelings. And then what I found is 
it did settle things down inside of me. And I started thinking there was a lot less chaos in my own head. And I was able to say, wait a minute, you've got skills. What skills are useful right now for this particular issue? What skills do you need to pull out of your toolbox, Laurie, in order to deal with this issue? And that's when I started to realize, oh my gosh, this is self-care. And also notice, and I love Caleb, that we're constantly saying it's back to you and changing your behavior. But what's really important for family members, I think, to understand is that you're doing this for your loved one too. Yes, yes. This is going to have an impact on your... If you change the way you react and you start responding in a more positive way, and I don't mean positive, all flowery and and lovely, I mean in a healthier way, maybe. If you're doing that, you're doing really good things for not only yourself, but for your loved one. Okay, so this is great because I just it you just had me have this thought, which is that I keep hearing people talk about toxic positivity where it's like, oh, you know, little Mary sunshine, everything's going to be fine. That's not what we're talking about with positivity. But to me, there's also toxic reactivity where you look like you're engaging with your person and you're caring about them and you're trying to help them and whatever. But a lot of it is control. A lot of it is you want to control the outcome. A lot of them is that you're judging them and you're panicked that they're not doing what makes sense to you. And so you're actually, if you could look at yourself in that kind of reactivity as toxic, that's your work. Because you're looking at their behavior and saying, oh my God, that's toxic. They're negative and they're not doing anything and they're lazy and all they do is use. And when they make money, they get high. They're belligerent. They're They're belligerent. They blame me for everything. And so what happens is that You need to look at your own toxicity as well. And if you look at this attempt to fix everything and control everything as a not helpful, toxic interaction, then you hopefully will have the resulting belief system of, oh, I have to change myself. I have something to work on. And I am not saying this to add shame and blame, by the way, because that's not the point. The point is insight. It's like, this is not a good way to be. You don't have to look back at all other than to learn from it. This is not a good way to be. So what are my choices? So same thing. We don't want to say to the addict, oh, sorry, but, you know, I know you're doing better now, but look at all the damage you've done. That's not the point. We're focusing on what's working and what's good and what you can do. I'm going to also kind of throw this out because I want listeners to really hear this. People spend so much time telling us that we don't have control over this. You don't have control over it. You don't have control over it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Let go, let go, let go. You don't have control over it. What I'm saying is there are aspects of this that you can have control over and take control over them. And those aspects are take control of what you can become empowered. You have control over your own behavior and your own. You may not have control over what you think and feel initially, But you can introduce, you have control over introducing new thoughts and ideas. And you do have the ability to manage your feelings. And you do have the ability to control your response to your loved one and to have it be a a well thought out, healthier response and not as toxic like what we were talking, what you were talking about before, Kayla, have it be healthier. And that's going to be a benefit to you, 
you are becoming empowered. It's going to be a benefit to your loved one. The other thing is, is by letting go of trying to control how your loved one is going to behave, not only empowers you, it empowers your loved one. That's the point. About their own behavior. Because really what we're talking about is you have created habits and behavioral patterns and thoughts. All of it is habitual. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I doing? They're all habitual, habituated patterns that you have that then hook into your loved one's behaviors. And then it affects their behaviors because it ripples out how we think, how we act. So it might've looked like it started with them and you're just reacting to them. But then there's a loop that happens where your thoughts, behaviors, and feelings actually then become part of the cycle. So while we're saying is break the cycle you're going to break the cycle so that you're starting a new way of being with them and then once any dynamic changes they have no choice but to change because if you're not doing the same thing you're leaving them no choice to change somehow some way we don't know what that's going to be because that is the part you don't have control over but if you are changing then you're already establishing a change cycle you're starting a change cycle which has a lot more opportunity to shift things than keeping on doing the same thing over and over again right yes which is why we're talking about craft is self-care yes this is what we're saying we're saying Actually taking care of yourself in these critical, chaotic moments, this is the key. This is it. Self-care is the key. And we're not talking about self-care as, you know, this kind of outside of situations where you just go for a walk, you know, you spend time playing with the dog. Those are great. We're talking about in the moment, these critical, critical moments. I'd like to read one thing. I've got to kind of pull it up. So I'm going to I'm going to say before you do that, which is it goes back to our discussion of what do I need? What do I want? And it's like if the answer is something that they're going to do, then you're in the on the wrong train. So get off that train. It's like, what can I do for myself? What do I want? What do I need? And what do I need to do for myself right now? But also understanding that if you start taking care of that stuff, if you start taking care of yourself by just doing that you are creating a better environment for your loved one as well. And a role model. Yep. So this, I read this one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. It just clicked for me. And I don't have an author on here. I wish I did. I wish I knew who said it, but I'd like to read this to everybody and just maybe we can kind of end this topic on that. But it rang true for me. It changed how I thought about self-care. The most important spiritual growth doesn't happen when you're meditating or on a yoga mat. It happens in the midst of conflict, when you're frustrated, angry, and scared, and you're doing the same old thing, and then you suddenly realize that you have a choice to do it differently. And that, to me, that was it. Yeah. That was it. It was profound. Oh, it's in the midst of conflict. Right. You're not going to go sit on the mountain and become Swami, you know, yogi person. (laughs) This is real life. And how do you actually shift what you're doing? Because you have additional awareness and you have additional tools. And what we're saying with craft is use them. Increase your awareness of yourself and your own reactions and then use the tools. Think about what tool is appropriate for this moment. And you can't do that if you don't know the tools and you don't start practicing them. 
Because if you're just saying nothing is changing, then that's not what we're talking about here. What are you doing on a regular basis to practice the tools and skills and shifts that we're, we're talking about? So this is all about you. And what is really exciting about this is this is your power. You have power in this situation. You've been feeling powerless for a really long time, but the power you have is over how you're going to take care of yourself, how you're going to look at things, how you're going to process your feelings and how you're going to react. And that's a very powerful position. The power that you have and the control that you have over yourself ripples out into the world. It ripples out. It affects everybody. And so if you're not in your power and you're being anxious, that also ripples out. So what we're saying is notice how your panic and anxiety ripples so that you could do something about it. So take responsibility for that because it looks like caring and it looks like concern. But what it really is, is anxiety and fear. And when you're coming from that place, you're not the most helpful that you are or exhaustion, frustration, anger, whatever. If you're coming from that, you're not helpful. And so if you really want to help your loved one, taking care of yourself is the primary directive here. Okay, well, I want to let our listeners know that on the website, on the Allies and Recovery website, so www.alliesandrecovery.net, we're running a 10-day challenge. And the 10-day challenge is if you do half of our craft video modules... So there's eight modules. If you do four of the modules, the videos and the activities that come along with the videos over a 10-day period, you get a free five-hour, one-day training. It's worth about $250, but you get it for free. So head on over to the website and check it out. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. This was a great topic. Yeah. Thank you. And we uh, we will see each other again next week. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.